0: We looked at the bank account. We had about four weeks of runway left. I started writing the letter to the shareholders and the the team, saying, you know, it's been, you know, an honor of a lifetime. Myself and my co-founder were asking ourselves like serious and and difficult existential questions about should we keep going.
1: That's Monic, the co-founder of Therma, and they've now gone on to raise over 48 million dollars. I wanted to know how do they get from there. To, to closing around a few weeks later.
0: You know, at one point I, I sat down with my my wife and she basically looked at me and said, look, do you really believe in the new product and, and, and what it could do? If not, no one will blame you. No one will hold you. You tell everybody we're, we're, we're wrapping things down.
1: He ignored all the denials and focused on the data. How many founders though don't make this decision? They're operating on previous convictions that they had initially when they started the business. But if, if they knew what they know now, they might not continue. He looked at the data and of course the customer were pulling it
0: and the adoption was happening organically businesses were reaching out to us saying we really want this product the early interest came from the customer not from us pushing it
1: but being authentically convicted yourself isn't always enough to get a round closed what did they actually do to get the round closed during march of 2020
2: going and visiting investors in person so doing as i was saying tours in new york tours in california started really rushing through our fundraise to try to close it as fast as possible and really trying to keep our, our valuation where we thought it was it's fair.
0: We really saw momentum and decided to capitalize on the momentum. We had started this roadshow in New York in April of 22, and we decided to just build on that because there was a lot of interest in this space. And so we rushed or, or accelerated the fundraise. We decided let's go and do it like next week, not next quarter.
1: This is the Top VC Podcast, and I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell, based in San Francisco. I'm on a mission to help founders oversubscribe their next round by learning from top VCs and entrepreneurs. Uh, Monic and Lucas, super excited to have you on the Top VC Podcast. Could you first give us an overview of what you're working on, uh, and then we'll dive right into some of the funding strategies that you've done.
0: Sounds great. Uh, my name is Monic Suri. I'm the founder and CEO at Therma. Uh, we're trying to build clean cooling technologies to reduce waste and emissions caused by refrigeration, uh, air conditioning, and cooling infrastructure. Uh, we believe that there are ways to save businesses money, help protect uh, human health, you know, the delivery of these goods, uh, food and pharmaceuticals require cooling, uh, but at the same time preserve the planet's health. So it's a clean cooling startup based in the Bay Area. Uh, we're three years old uh, and excited to be here. Thank you for,
2: for having us. Um, I'm I'm Luca Stepman, I'm the VP of Strategy and, and Partnerships here at Therma. I joined the company um, about almost two years ago now, um, coming from actually an investment background, um, working for an impact VC firm. Met the company. Met Manic, Decided to join as chief of staff. Now transition to to this new role. So so definitely have seen um, the fundraise from from another perspective.
1: Oh, I love that. I I worked at a fund called Mighty Capital after being a founder, and like I feel like that helped me so much with like what it means to raise a good round. And now being on your side, I, I bet that's a huge unfair advantage. Well, talk to us about the round that you closed in uh, Q1 of 2021. And then talk to us about the the round that you're going to be soon announcing now. And would love to just know some of the most impactful things you did to close that round.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Lucas. I'll, I'll tee it up. Maybe you can talk about the 22 Series A. Um, yes. So we got you know we got going, Adam, right after um, you know COVID started with uh, our seed round in April of 2020. That gave us just you know a little bit of capital, roughly it was four million dollars, uh, enough. Uh, to start building product, to start commercializing. Um, And we had 3X growth in in 2020, which in 21, we started thinking, okay, this is actually really encouraging. We had really significant customer adoption. And the product and the problem area around refrigeration started getting a lot more attention because in late 2020, these temperature-sensitive COVID vaccines came out. And suddenly, everyone had heard about the cold chain and refrigeration. Before that, you know, I don't think anybody spent more than a minute thinking about refrigeration or the cold chain. But once this um, supply chain around pharmaceuticals and vaccines started getting a lot of attention and people realized how broken cold chain and refrigeration infrastructure is, a lot of VCs said, hey, this is actually a really worthwhile area to focus on, both from a resilience and um, supply chain standpoint, and also there's a lot of human and uh, social benefits to improving. So we grew in 21 again, roughly 3X. Uh, Lucas joined um, you know, in, in, in 21 uh, with that seed uh, extension round that we closed. Uh, he was an investor and then came in uh, to help me build the company and to really scale capital and partnerships. And in 22, uh, we started thinking about the next stage of Therma. Uh, and Lucas, I'll hand it over to you because you really started thinking about energy and turning the refrigeration into a battery
2: yeah thanks medic um yeah as medic as Manik was just saying i i joined the the company right about when when they were closing that um seed extension um joined did the due diligence on on our ends thought obviously um what an untapped opportunity there is in, in the in the cold chain um what a great tech what a great innovation mm-hmm. um is, is therma Actually, working on and and you know, there's a lot of work to be done in the space. So, so that's really what what attracted me to to actually join um, the company. Um, as Manik was saying, part of my part of my job and part of what I started doing here at Thermo was really trying to understand what's next. Right, we had a great technology, we had a great sensor, we had a great um, sensing capability um, of the of the refrigeration space. Um, we could actually transmit temperature and humidity reliably for the first time in any type of environment. What do you do with that data, right? Um, there has to be something else beyond monitoring and and acting um, on it. it. There has to be some sort of control dynamics that we can actually implement, and that's really the next turn of the of the company. What we actually started um, fundraising um, on our Series A, um, that was the messaging, right? We we can actually control devices. We can control devices to what purpose? To the purpose of actually uh, reducing energy consumption on the cold chain, and so that's that's the idea. Refrigeration can actually act as a as, as a battery, it can hold temperature for a long period of time. Everything that is inside of a refrigerator can hold temperature. And that's actually buffering um, the temperature um, loss that, that happens inside of a refrigerator. So with, with that in mind, I'm pegged with the idea of um, the incredible need from the um, utility grids to actually... Um, reduce the demand or increase our supply, uh, we are in the the space of actually reducing demand for for electricity um, by allowing refrigerators and and cooling systems to actually use less energy. So um, by having the monitoring technology, we can actually understand what the temperature is at all times, and that allows us to control dynamically refrigerators for the first time.
1: Yeah, it's like the core technology makes a lot of sense. And the obvious cost savings is amazing. Um, so I love that. And I really appreciate you sharing that help help me with, um, you know, maybe take us into a story that represented one of the biggest challenges that you had raising your most recent round or, or something that was like just a big success around that. Um, We'd love to just dive into that to, to help any founders who are in that moment right now.
2: Yeah, I think every every moment during a fundraiser is unique. Our moment was um, essentially we were tracking the markets. Markets were incredibly um, bullish. They, you know, we we were at the right timing um, with the right uh, idea with the right technology, and we always had this um, debate internally whether we should have more proof points on this um, new iteration of the company on this new step of the technology or if we should actually um, go now and fundraise that's that's really something that that you know um, we spend a lot of a lot of hours thinking about Um, ultimately decided to go start fundraising in in March markets were were great at that time Um, it was unique on on our end that um, you know a month later or or even weeks later, um, after we actually started doing our, our New York tour, visiting investors, uh, markets uh, all of a sudden started to change, and so that is, um, I think, yesterday we were actually at a at a all hands meeting in the company, and we we talked about that learning, which is. Um, make sure that you you have the timing right and don't necessarily wait until it's the perfect moment to go and fundraise, right? Um we we saw in real time how markets were shifting and and that obviously um delayed and and gave a lot of hesitation to investors who needed to to wait and see what the markets were doing.
0: There were uh you know many hard moments Adam definitely I think you uh you know the feeling as a founder but uh the, the moment that maybe stands out most uh, amongst many challenging uh, times was the early early days uh, of March 2020, right as uh, COVID was unfolding. We were in the middle of negotiations to raise a seed ground, and we had gotten a term sheet signed uh, in February of 2020. Um, in February, we were feeling pretty good. We had a really nice term sheet. Uh, It was looking like everything was going to be lined up to close. And suddenly, you know, the second week of March, uh, the lead investor who, you know, essentially locked in terms, uh, called and said, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, this isn't going to happen. And we were right about to launch a new product called Therma that we were selling to restaurants, uh, hotels, and hospitality uh, businesses. And you can imagine um, not an easy value proposition to justify when the world was literally shutting down indefinitely. So <laughs> I was living in San Francisco. This was around the time when there was a lockdown being announced and people were running to the local bodega and store to get toilet paper and stock up on essentials. And the term sheet went away. And I had been funding the company personally for five months, uh, expecting we'd lock in a series a series seed at the beginning of the year, uh, in you know, end of Q1 and so we looked at the bank account we had about four weeks of runway left um i started writing the letter to the shareholders and the the team saying you know it's been you know an honor of a lifetime and you know mm-hmm. i hope i can help you all um and we were really myself and my co-founder were asking ourselves you know like serious and, and difficult existential questions about should we keep going or is this the time to to throw in the towel so that was definitely the hardest moment to uh to recover from and raise capital. And we ended up raising capital six weeks later.
1: Are you serious? And you've since raised over $10 million? We
0: have. We've since raised over $30 million. Uh, We haven't announced our Series A, but that was the the lowest of the many low points that have transpired as a founder. Um, And I have a lot of friends on the VC side. I worked in private equity. I worked in government. Um, Probably half my friends are on the buy side. No one was returning my calls that month.
1: I, this is just incredible. And I really appreciate your vulnerability because I think there's a lot of founders who are in those, that season now. Can you, can you zoom into that existential conversation that you and your co-founder had around continuing or, or, or throwing in the towel, which sounds horrible, but like there is a time to end a business and I, and there, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with that in the big picture. We learn from it at the end of the day, but you chose to move forward. Can you help us like with those feelings and like the decision around that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, it was becoming really clear uh, to both me and Aaron, my co-founder, that we weren't um, we weren't going to be able to raise capital on favorable terms. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then it was basically a question of can we raise any money? And if so, what does that mean for us? Um, or should we should we shut down? We knew at that point that we couldn't afford uh, personally to keep funding the business indefinitely. like we were we were at the end of that line. So um, with that door closed, the only options were to shut down or to raise on whatever terms we could get. And I think, you know, at one point I I sat down with my um, my wife, um, you know, who I've been with for a long time. We met in college 20 years ago, um, you know, and, and, and she basically looked at me and said, look, do you really believe in the work? Do you really believe in the the, the new product and, and, and what it could do? Um, you know, if not, no one will blame you. No one will hold you, you know, um, you know, no one's going to hold you to task if this is when you return, you know, when you tell everybody we're, we're wrapping things down. But I really did, you know, see the early data on Therma and was encouraged. There was a lot of interest in the product. It was a very pro-social and is a very pro-social product. We were reducing food waste, catching equipment failure, uh, thinking about ways to make refrigeration and cooling more climate friendly and more business uh, positive. And the adoption was happening organically. Businesses were reaching out to us saying, we really want this product. And the uh, the early interest came from the customer, not from us pushing it. Uh, unlike the previous product, the, the 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 first product we had started with, and that was when I decided, you know, I think this is worth pursuing. The 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 mission itself is pro social, and the product is getting interest from customers. And this was happening even in March of 2020, uh, when businesses were shutting down, because it was it was helping them monitor their locations and manage them remotely when no one could be there. So that's when we decided, Aaron and I. Okay, we believe in this product. We're going to raise whatever capital we can get on whatever terms we can get. Uh, and then we 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 uh, decided to to reset the business essentially, rename the company, recapitalized. So reset the cap table. Uh, most of our early investors came back in on the new structure. I invested personally, um, and you know we were able to live to fight another day. Still super difficult. We had to let go of you know almost half the team in April, but you know we got a round done and. You know,
1: we're still here. Yeah. What was one of the big, I love that. And I, I, I don't love that for you in that moment, but I, I want to know what was one of the biggest things that you did after that shift. So right after March to, to actually get the round closed.
2: That's a, that's a great question. I think one of the the biggest things we we started doing was actually going and visiting um, investors in person. So doing, as I was saying, tours in New York, tours in California started really um, rushing through 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 our fundraise to try to close it as as fast as possible given the uncertainties that the markets were were actually experiencing. So um, that's one of the biggest things that we did and, and really trying to um, keep our, our valuation where we thought um, it was it was fair. Um, but very flexible in in having conversations and understanding investors and meeting them where they were at.
0: I would add, Adam, we we, we really saw momentum and decided to capitalize on the momentum. We had started this roadshow in New York in April of 22, and we decided to just build on that because there was a lot of interest in this space uh, because of energy prices uh, due to the Ukraine war uh, and because of grid flexibility uh, you know, and the need for more power at the edge. Uh, due to all the electrification going on, the shortages that states like California are facing. Um, and so we rushed or, or accelerated the fundraise. We decided, let's go and do it like next week, not next quarter. And we're able to get a term sheet uh, locked in by the end of Q2, uh, mm-hmm. thankfully. And that allowed us to, I think, uh, preserve valuation. And that momentum allowed us to then get a first close done by Labor Day, which was the majority of our target. You know, We were trying to raise um, initially 15 million. And then, you know, we ended up raising, um, you know, close to 20, we was 19 million in the series A, but it was the momentum, I think, and the realization, the window is closing in April, May that, that I think helped us get it done.
1: That's amazing. I mean, usually that kind of batna doesn't end well in your direction because you're, you know, that your runway is ending. So uh, you, you obviously, did you create any other constraints to, to put pressure on the VCs to make the decision, which from my experience, they, they love to kick the can when they can.
0: Yeah, I think it's always a forcing function issue. How do you create scarcity and, um, you know, how do you then leverage that? We had, I think, a really good narrative and the timing and, and Lucas uh, identified, I think, correctly that the positioning of the business as an energy business, not as an IOT or SaaS company would be critical for capitalizing on the momentum of the climate movement and the climate tech and climate capital. Um You know, movement specifically, and also the bigger, you know, front page news articles around electricity shortages and energy prices skyrocketing. So the positioning, I think, really helped because suddenly went from being interesting to being extremely compelling. Um, And I think that created a lot more FOMO uh, and multiple people saying, "Hey, this is a really interesting business now." Uh, You know, sometimes how you present or represent uh, and position, even if the same fundamentals and the same team and the same technology are, are on the ground
1: that is really interesting. It's there's forces that are much bigger than you that you're now aligning within as the solution and, and all that media attention that you didn't create, it's now helping you get the round done.
2: Totally. Exactly. I, just That's, just to, to add to what Manik was saying, I think the, the positioning around energy is, is not just a, a, obviously a positioning. It's really what the, what the company is doing and how we're positioning our product to, to actually um, go to market. But um The the economic crisis actually had those silver linings where um, energy prices were spiking, where um, there was a need for for a technology like this on on energy savings. So it was also, I would say, opportunistic in, in, in that regard, but aiming and targeting the investors that understand energy it was essential for us Um, coming up the curve on the energy landscape having a thesis around it is is not for any type of investor and any type of bc so we i think um won a lot of time um, by actually meeting with the right investors
1: targeting positioning this is amazing we're uh, we're right at time but i just want to say thank you both for your time congrats on the success i can't wait to see the continued growth um this has been really helpful Thanks for listening to another episode of the Top VC Podcast. I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell. This is way more than just a podcast. It's a community and I'm personally on a mission to help founders in whatever way I possibly can. So send me an email, adamfodonnell at gmail.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Boom.